Hello. And welcome to the Young Changemakers podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Blue and I'm a third year medical student at University College Dublin. I'm your other host, Sagava, and I'm a third year math student at Cambridge. Uh, we wanted to create this podcast so we can talk to young people who are doing really exciting and cool things and are changing the world to learn more about how they got there and what inspires them and everything. And um, on that note, we have a, a perfect first guest. I guess, um, our dear friend, Michael Kahn. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Michael. I'm a third year math student at Imperial College London and currently the captain of the University Challenge team. Imperial Kahn. Scarlet. Scarlet is correct. Electromagnetic field by James Clark. Imperial Kahn. Uh, the 1860s. Correct. Imperial Kahn. Abba. There's no need to say it so dismissively. It wasn't dismissive. I was just no, surprised. No, it's, it's, it's great music. <laughs> it's great music. I love it. Fantastic. So, um, just for our many listeners, this will be sort of a semi-interview, semi-conversation type thing, just to really get at the heart of um, Michael. So, I guess, just tell us a bit more about yourself. That's a broad question. (laughs) That's a terrible question. (laughs) Uh, I've lived in London all my life. I'm now, what, 20? Yeah, 20. I kind of took mainly science things for A-level. I took maths, further maths, physics and chemistry, but sort of assumed I'd applied for natural sciences at university. Uh, Had a last minute change of heart just before UCAS came in and decided I wanted to study maths. Um, What in particular, if there was any reason? Uh, I guess even though natural sciences is broad, maths in some ways is broader and I felt frustrated when learning physics that sort of the maths behind it, I wanted more reasoning, more concrete reasoning. And I thought the best way to find out about that was to study maths. I then thought I'd study sort of applied maths. In other words, essentially study physics while doing a maths degree. And now I'm a pure mathematician, which (laughs) is the exact opposite. Good. We call that progress. Um, So... I guess we start with the university challenge. Obviously, that's very current at the moment. Um, what made you interested in university challenge to begin with? Did you watch it growing up? Or? I did. Uh, my mum's college, Gonville and Keys College, Cambridge, won about six years ago now. Mm-hmm. And I watched them with her. And then I dipped in and out of the next few series. And then when I arrived at Imperial and there was actually a quiz society running trials, I thought I could give this a go. I was really bad and didn't get through their trials the first time round. And then I spoke to their team members who, of course, ended up winning last series mm-hmm. and asked them for some tips and tricks. And a year later, here I am. How did you prepare for like university challenge? Like, how was the process in getting onto the team? So I did my own preparation in terms of just looking up stuff on the internet, general reading, reading, like, one book by each of major author gets you a long way. Like, at the back, mm-hmm. you'll have a blurb that tells you about their other works. Uh, I got a buzz on Anna Karenina, uh, and I think I'd seen it from reading The Death of Ivan Ilyich, which is... Actually, a much more obscure work by Tolstoy, but only happens to be about 60 pages long. <laughs> uh, 
Imperial ran a two-round trial process. They had an excruciatingly difficult test, a written test, and then they took the best 20 or so scores, did a buzzer thing with them, and chose a team of four plus a reserve. And, and um, how did you become captain? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it wasn't, it's usually decided by the university, but they didn't really feel they had enough information to do that. So the guy on the left of my team, Justin, decided not for him. Uh, he actually qualified top of the uh, mm-hmm. trials. Uh, and then the other three of us rotated while practicing. Mm-hmm. with, And we tended to get sort of the best results with me as captain and as well as that. The other two decided that they didn't really want to do it. Um, <laughs> the one who actually did. So Fair enough. <laughs> kind of Fair enough. Win by default. Yeah. Um, so when did you guys know who were going to be in the final team? Uh, that was probably start of November, and then you have to fill in a whole load of forms, and then there's an interview by the university challenge team a couple of months later. Mm-hmm. And how much do you train as a team? Does it make a difference if you train with others? Or as in, are there some aspects that you choose not to focus on because you know your teammates are better? Or So, yeah, we learned a lot about what each person was good at from sitting down and watching episodes, pausing when we'd buzz in, mm-hmm. uh, seeing if we could beat the teams who'd done very well last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, some successful episodes, some very unsuccessful, embarrassing <laughs> episodes. Uh, and yeah, we discovered who was good at what. We then went and read more about those things, carved mm-hmm. up the stuff that we knew that we were shocking at. Um, um, I guess, yeah, personal tips. How do you absorb so much information? <laughs> so I'm just reading so I created a series of flashcards, mm-hmm. particularly for art. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I studied them. It's very boring, but it's, I think, what most of the uh, teams who do well on the series end mm-hmm. up doing. Uh, and it gets you just, even if you're carding stuff that you already know, it just gets you that extra second. So mm-hmm. I've I've seen the painting coming from the mill, which actually came up in our last episode about people called Lowry. I've seen mm-hmm. it, uh, but I don't think I would have recorded it as fast as actually having a card on the work yeah. coming from the mill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you find there are days where you're just naturally better or like moods or after you've done something or had something to eat? I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I was on a massive sugar hike throughout <laughs> that match that just came out. And I think also given that like, quiz shows uh, test such a huge range of things mm-hmm. obviously you're not going to score the same in each thing because there'll be different numbers of questions yeah the more literature and arts there is the better i tend to do mm-hmm. in the next round of course i can't say what the result is you'll have to tune in and find mm-hmm. out on the 2nd of november we'll put but a there's less thing in the description do you get there's to less... know who you've um sorry do you get to know who you've competed competed You've challenged, battled again. We play against St Andrews, who are very scary. <laughs> uh, but there's less literature in that, and so I get fewer starters. Mm-hmm. There's less literature, less classical music. There's quite a lot of art, actually. But um, to be fair, fewer starters than, than the amount you got against Exeter isn't really saying much. Yeah, that's um, That's not narrowing it down, but we'll leave it at that. Um I guess unless we have more questions about University Challenge, we should move on because Michael is more than just 
a celebrity. Do you have any, um, just the final one, do you have any pieces of advice for anyone who might want to be a buddying, buddying university challenge, challenger, university challenge participant? I think it's really important for everyone to try out, even if you do really badly at your university or college's trials. Like there's so much time you have between the teams being chosen in early mm-hmm. November and when they usually film that you can get better. And you only really need to be good at one or two subjects, say mm-hmm. like literature and biology, for example, uh, to contribute to a four-person team. And it's really sad to still see in 2020 that I think 80% of the participants in round one were male. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at Imperial, I think only a few women sat last year's trials and only two uh, got through to round two mm-hmm. and one got on the team. And she's very good. Uh, yeah. So I guess general advice for more than just university challenge, it's just try it out. Um, yeah. Give it a that, go. That got really deep, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So we should move on from the university challenge. Um, I seem to recall last summer, um, as part of your degree, you had a research project. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? So, and in, in what terms? In mundane terms, that yeah. someone who's only done A level mathematics would also understand. So Imperial make us do a research project at the end of first and second year. Mm-hmm. And at the end of second year, I was put in a group. Um, and we studied a thing called Nertus Theorem, which is named after the German mathematician. Emmy. Yeah. I always forgot her first name for a second. Oh, um, and her namesake theorem sort of links symmetries, which are quite abstract mathematical objects, um, with conservation of conservation laws such as the conservation of energy Uh, so it was great to see sort of concrete physics and then make it really abstract and then in the summer I did a project that was sort of cut not short but it was limited somewhat by of course the situation we live in Uh, and that was looking at something called representations of Lie algebras which sounds horrific we essentially take these abstract spaces where you can do this weird form of multiplication and we look at transforming them into matrices which are just arrays of numbers Mm -hmm. and these are much better understood so we can study the first thing by looking at the second thing which is well understood Mm -hmm. and we were looking at how many of these irreducible representations which are just things that can't be broken down anymore and we were looking at how many of these there would be for certain types of the algebra and then I went away and did a little bit of looking at something called symmetric groups which is just looking at symmetries or permutations. Creatively named yeah. So and did um, you work on these individually or as part of a team and so how much first, support did you get? The first one the big group project on Nertus theorem there was five of us and the professor mm-hmm. uh, and that was good fun even though it was all of course, over Microsoft Teams. Uh, and then the first project I did in the summer was with a friend from Lithuania, also an mm-hmm. Imperial student, and a uh, lecturer called Professor Martin Liebeck, who is mm-hmm. one of the foremost pure mathematicians in the UK. Yeah. 
And then the second thing was more reading by myself. And then if I had any questions, I'd come to him. And in fact, I'm not really finished with that one. I just think I'll just read more when I have the time. Fair enough. So, um, yeah, how is it to do mathematics with other people? It's typically, at least, you know, in school and early university, it's a very individual thing. Um, what challenges did you face in trying to work something out with other people? There were, of course, logistic challenges uh, to the people in my big group project. One was mm -hmm. in Hong Kong, one was in Malaysia. So we had a big time difference to work around. But it was actually good. I actually find working through maths as a group is much better. Mm -hmm. um, there are times where you just want to be able to work to your own schedule. But generally, if you're looking at sort of harder maths, it's much better understood by just shouting ideas at each other and one of them will stick. Um, <laughs> A friend came in talking about his coursework in a subject that he took that I don't take this year, uh, mm -hmm. Introduction to Partial Differential Equations course. And I didn't understand any of the topics, but I just said, have you tried this result uh, about looking at uniqueness? Mm -hmm. And just sort of working off the two of us, he solved the problem. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just guess um, an interlude, modern maths is very interconnected. So what Michael just described is happening across the world all the time. Um, so just something to look out for young people who are interested in it. <laughs> and that's not just maths, that's the world is genuinely, generally becoming more interconnected. Um, and people of all disciplines are, are finding ways to support each other and, and grow in that respect. Definitely. I very that's much true. hope that, uh, sorry, I think I'm having connection issues. Uh, I was going to say, I very much hope that I'm one day considered good enough to write a paper with Seger. <laughs> but I, I really mean, think that's what's missing in like senior school is when you do like A-levels, barge, chemistry, math, physics, whatever, you really think it's very individual. Mm -hmm. I feel like having gone to university, you learn that there's actually massive overlap in between all those subjects. Yeah, it's something that, for example, um, I mean, to leave Michael for a bit, but um, something that, the, the, for example, the Nobel Committee has been struggling with is that a Nobel Prize can only be split up to, to three people. But for example, the LIGO project was a massive project with um, LIGO, sorry, won the Nobel Prize for Physics in 2019, was it? And for the discovery of gravitational waves. Um, but that was a massive undertaking with, you know, at least, I think, tens of first rate physicists working day in, day out, and then a lot more supporting and contributing and, and across a vast array of, of disciplines. Um, so, yeah, it's something that is a relatively modern phenomenon that, that especially science has sort of become so hard that it's impossible to be the, the lone polymath of the days of uh, Gauss or Euler. Um, you kind of have to work as a team. So, and yeah, across disciplines and, and fields. Um, I guess it's they like to individuals instead of like whole laboratories. No, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. in the rules that they can only award it to three people. Yeah. Um, which it's is also much more fun to work as a group. Mm -hmm. I joined a problems class in a topic called algebraic curves, mm -hmm. which studies the zero sets of polynomials. Um, and it was just essentially me, another guy, uh, originally from Taiwan, and the Belgian lecturer 
just discussing this subject mm -hmm. for an hour together and there were so many insights that I just missed and that this mm -hmm. other this friend of mine who is a much much better mathematician uh, things that he thought were so uh, he'd overlooked that I managed to see and so mm -hmm. I think it's also like regardless of the skill gap everyone will have a chance to contribute somewhere yeah, we've all had, you know, different educations. We all are better at different things. That is something I've found as well. Um, some things you'll naturally find easier or will naturally have more intuition for. And therefore, sharing that with others is, is massively beneficial. Definitely. Um, that, we really got that drilled into us in the first day of like medical school because they were like, they were like, we know what the stereotype is. And they were like, <laughs> do not try and like kill each other just like work together so to to bring it back to you michael as our distinguished guest um did you have any major mentors or influences in early life that sort of drove you down the path you said you were very into science um but anything else sort of anyone you looked up to I don't really think so. Um, I had a couple of good teachers. I'm not sure whether you're talking about famous people or whatever, whatever influenced like, you. Yeah. You know, even like parents or really good teachers think, that helped you. Too. Yeah, my mum was really instrumental into my love of science and my dad into my love of classical music. Mm -hmm. And so me playing an instrument and into orchestras, mm -hmm. which eventually has led to me waving my hands around embarrassingly in front of an orchestra. Um, but I can't really pinpoint it to one person. And mm -hmm. I'd say that sort of my love of science has sort of grown from school mm -hmm. where I was just sort of doing it because I was better at that than other subjects. Mm -hmm. to of course ISSI which is where at the summer camp where I met these two lovely people uh and say actually uh they probably don't know quite how much they've influenced me all of those people oh. uh to I had some really inspiring lecturers at the beginning of first year um, mm -hmm. a guy called Professor Kevin Buzzard who I think Sega will have heard of yeah he's he's very really famous. inspirational yeah. And equally famous is Professor Richard Thomas, mm -hmm. who has worked with a Fields Medalist, uh, Sir, Simon, mm -hmm. Sir Professor Simon Donaldson. Um, so yeah, so those of you that don't know, um, Fields Medal is kind of the Math Nobel Prize. It's basically the biggest honour a mathematician can receive. Um, yeah, but let's not delve into that. I guess coming back to music, um, we've already talked about, you know, uh, university challenge in maths. So Michael is a bit of a triple threat. Uh, I think you understated your your musical prowess. Do you want to elaborate on that a bit? So I played the French horn uh, and I thought in the spirit of trying things out that mm -hmm. when I accepted my Imperial offer, I'd try for their music scholarship because Imperial beat... Uh, for those of you who don't live in London, uh, backs onto the Royal College of Music, uh, which is one of three really key London conservatoires and Imperial's music scholarship allows people to study there at Imperial's expense for about 10 lessons a year mm -hmm. and I still maintain that they were wrong 
but they did give me that scholarship. Uh, so I've been studying uh, horn at Royal College of Music, not for credit, but mm-hmm. for much pleasure for the last three years. And I got involved in some orchestras and I'd always sort of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to conduct an orchestra. And being in London with so many good musicians from conservatoires and from universities, I decided first year was a good time to set that up. So I've now done three concerts as a conductor. Uh, some have gone better than others. How do you balance like the yeah. university challenge, your workload at Imperial? I'm sure Math Imperial is no easy feat either. And all of this music conducting. Uh, I don't. I'm sort of a nervous wreck all the time. That's not what you're meant to say. I am, of course, joking. Um, I did stop conducting when I took on University Challenge, so they haven't run uh, together. And yeah, uh, and maths and music is just. I feel like if you have a passion for something, you can make time for it. Hopefully. Uh, I do get behind sometimes with my maths and then use the holidays to catch that up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, obviously this is going to sound really, really nerdy as if this podcast was normal. But I kind of use the extracurriculars I do as a break from the maths. Mm-hmm. So there isn't a lot of downtime in term time, but that's a choice I've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, guess. I feel like I read a quote somewhere that was like, it's not that you don't have time to do something, it's that you're not willing to spend time on it. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Hardly. Well, for that, do someone think... said that. <laughs> do, you, do you know who? Just... Um, <laughs> I'm sure they will be famous enough to attribute it to her one day. Uh, yeah, one day I'm Michael sorry. and I will be interviewing her. <laughs> do you think there's... Um, somewhere that like maths and music go together because I remember there's all this stuff about how a lot of famous mathematicians are actually brilliant musicians and vice versa. I've heard a lot of it a lot of musicians who want to start a conversation with a musician they know doesn't do music professionally or a conservatoire often just come up to me and say oh there's such a big thing between maths and music. Is it true? (laughs) I don't see it obviously there's quite a lot of data for it Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely nothing to do with counting because I'm terrible at counting <laughs> in both maths and music. I think in one of my exams last year I wrote down that seven minus one is five or something like that. <laughs> uh, that bad. Um, I, I'd prefer to keep those two areas of my life separate. Mm-hmm. Um, so even if there is a connection, I'd rather not look into <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. There yeah, is there is definitely value in um, driving a wedge. Um, I think that was most of the questions. I guess, do you have any advice for for someone younger doing anything? Something you wish you had known? What are we saying? Three years ago, um, yeah. about anything? University challenge, maths, music, life. Uh, do maths <laughs> it saves a lot of time <laughs> if you decide to do maths earlier um, and school level maths I feel is taught completely wrongly mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. that I think that the way people are taught classical music is completely wrong and that it puts a lot of people off 
Mm-hmm. Like, how many people do you know who are really into their classical music? Uh, and I don't think that's just because of what classical music is. Um, but I can talk for like hours on that, so let's not get me started. Uh, and the other thing is, I think something that we've all brought up today, which is just try out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm applying for master's courses at various places. Lots of wet, lots of them. I don't think I'm necessarily qualified for, but that's ultimately the, the decision of the institution that can choose to accept me or reject me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you won't get there if you don't apply. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, when you said you don't think maths are taught correctly, what do you mean? It's very computation heavy mm-hmm. at A level GCSE. It's very numerical. I get that obviously numeracy is a really important skill for just every walk of life, uh, a mm-hmm. skill that I lack. Um, but uh, I think A-level maths could do a lot to improve the curiosity that it generates in Mm -hmm. students you're told this is Simpson's rule this is the trapezium rule for approximating integrals and you're not told why you'd want to do it or where this formula comes from you're given a formula Mm -hmm. and asked to apply it in terms of problems I remember being bored out of my brain in A-level maths and it wasn't necessarily because I found it easy some bits of it I did and some bits of it I didn't. I'm mm-hmm. terrible at statistics. Stay away from statistics. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can vouch for that. Statistics is awful. But even if they just explain slightly where the results are coming from, even without deriving, mm-hmm. I think that goes a long way to fostering curiosity, which is so important in every science. Mm-hmm. I guess, um, yeah, one of the, at least personally, one of the main reasons I wanted to do this podcast was... Um, was yeah to share what maths and and well specifically maths for me but science in general really is because I feel like even those of us that were interested back in the day still had completely the wrong image yeah. um and there is a reason for that it's obviously the the skill gap it does take years to to join the community but I feel that there is more that can be done to to excite and foster young minds um and to show them what it really is about um so yeah, just as Michael said, uh, A-levels don't really do that. I guess a lot with A-levels is like the aim is to get the grade, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. There's no yeah. like, there's yeah. like a certain criteria that you're supposed to meet and it's just there to meet that standard. But Michael, what do you, how do you think you kept up or you like enhanced your curiosity in mathematics if, you know, with such a limited course as like an A-level. Like, how did you, what extra things did you do? Uh, I just started reading more about mathematics. And again, I was, I didn't really start really liking maths until the summer of 2018, after mm-hmm. I finished A-levels. But I just knew that this, that I wanted to do maths from going to like lectures at Cambridge and Imperial. Mm-hmm. Uh, the imperial one being I think theoretical physics where there was a lot of maths in there mm-hmm. and thinking well hang on this is kind of for me so what's mm-hmm. why am I bored every time I turn up to a maths class and mm-hmm. I did a few talks sort of taking stuff I'd done actually in chemistry and making it a little more mathsy mm-hmm. uh, and even though I didn't end up taking step which is the Cambridge entrance exam uh, but they're actually just really good problems Mm-hmm. And they get you in the right frame of mind. Yeah. And when you say you attended these lectures, are they that during senior school you 
went to these lectures? Yeah, some of them were in the evening and one of them was a sort of taste today. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. um, yeah, you mentioned books as well. Were there any in particular that stood out? Uh, there's one that I read in first year maths, mm-hmm. which was the big shift for me from applied to pure maths. Mm-hmm. I mean, I say I'm a pure mathematician. I take, this time I'm taking six pure modules this year, not term. Six modules in one term is a bit much. I was about to say, and yeah. <laughs> I'm taking six pure modules and two sort of pure and applied modules in mm-hmm. an area called dynamics. I'm doing dynamical systems and dynamics, symmetry yeah. and integrability, which are sort of taking concepts like chaos theory and making them quite pure. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was inspired by a book called, is it Proofs and Refutations? By a Hungarian manager called Imre Lakatos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it takes a very simple formula, which I think some of you might have seen called uh, Euler's polyhedron formula, which says that V minus E plus F is 2, where V is the number of vertices of the polyhedron, E is the number of edges, and F the number of faces, and it tries to prove that. And it goes through about 20 proofs and explains why all of them are satisfactory. And then sort of by the end, you're wondering what actually a proof is. Mm-hmm. And then also this book that I'm working through at the moment, which is the representation mm-hmm. theory of the symmetric groups. And representation theory is good because it combines so many different areas of maths. Mm-hmm. But that's just really as a the caveat, area I like to work on. Yeah, just as a caveat. I wouldn't recommend getting started on a rep- representation theory no. before you've got a few years of, of undergrad math this behind is you. from uh, part three, which is a master's course mm-hmm. at Cambridge. Yeah. So take a step back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah, I guess um, that is a general statement. I think Blue and I talked about this in our introductory podcast last week. Um, don't get frustrated if you don't understand things. Maths and science is genuinely hard. Uh, people spent their lives building what you're expecting to understand in half an hour. Um, just stick with it, and it it will eventually make sense. Um, that and was just a personal sort of yeah. Mm-hmm. Not able to explain it to you because I think that's one of the biggest problems in science that we're currently seeing unravel before us is that we need we all need to be better communicated. Mm-hmm. Science yeah. need to be better communicated. Which is something you definitely witness. And I think the other thing mm-hmm. I'd leave as advice is uh, to also to just stick with it. Like mm-hmm. perseverance is a skill that really gets developed at university more. But mm-hmm. uh, especially with algebra and looking at some quite abstract stuff, I've often walked away from a problem that I have no idea how to solve. And to sort of, I'll turn it over in my mind and I'll be lying down. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly it will all click. And when it happens, it's also a really nice feeling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the joy of, of finally understanding something or solving a problem definitely outweighs the the hours of <laughs> banging your head against a wall. Um, um, Michael, would you, what are you hoping to do in the future? Like mm-hmm. pursue a postdoc or go into the so, city? <laughs> definitely not. I think... <laughs> One of the big problems at Imperial, I don't want to sell Imperialist as haven of mathematics, is that every talk we've had on careers has been on the finance sector, which is something yeah. that I definitely wouldn't be involved in. I think now that I've got so into maths, I can't see it not being part of what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to at least do a master's and hopefully a PhD if somewhere takes me. Uh, and I'll, what I hope to do that in is sort of 
looking at geometry, which is very abstract, but I look at the geometry of physics. So mm -hmm. taking concepts in quantum uh, quantum mechanics and especially an area called gauge theory mm -hmm. and looking at group theory, which is a very abstract form of algebra and the geometry of it, I think could be quite interesting. And there's also uh, currently quantum mechanics lacks a solid mathematical basis. So physicists are coming up against a brick wall that they'll need mathematicians to help them out with. Uh, beyond that, I haven't decided yet. I'll keep my options open. There's maybe maths, maybe music, or something mm -hmm. in the civil service. I also think that even though it might not be a full career, I think once you put the amount of hours in that I have on quizzing, that I don't think it'll ever fully go away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's interesting, fair enough. <laughs> We'll see. We'll have a catch-up session in, in two years to see where you've got to. I think that's the, that's the plan. You'd be fantastic on the chase. <laughs> Maybe, if they'll take me. I, I, yeah, I, I fully support you in that. Yeah. Um, right, so I guess if anyone has any closing comments, um, now's the time. Um, our valued listeners, obviously, you're free to to add comments. Um, Blue and I will try to respond and obviously direct any ones to Michael um, if you're interested. Uh, um, when can we on our TV? Sorry, what was that? When can we see you next on our TV? Uh, Monday the 2nd of November at 8.30 on BBC2 or on YouTube at your own leisure Art. And that's the is that that's still one of the rounds, isn't it? This is the second round match. So we lost our mm -hmm. first, played the highest scoring using team match that had last week, and then yeah. this is the next match against St Andrews, which may of course be our last. We will have to see. I'm very embarrassed by certain things that happen. There's a very very dumb answer that's going to come out. Uh, that yeah, we're too late now. <laughs> that's not motivation enough to watch. I don't know. I don't know what is. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think. Right, yeah. so we don't really have an outro, uh, shockingly enough. Um, Michael, do you want to sing us out? Uh, I won't sing us out, but I will say thank you very much for having me. I look forward to seeing uh, where this goes. I'm pretty sure it can be big. <laughs> I would, of course, if we don't get, this whenever I can. If we don't get sued by Jeremy Paxman first. <laughs> <laughs> Of course. Oh, That's how we'll go viral. Right. Um yeah, thank you very much and bye. And we'll be back to the episode for you next week. That'll hopefully be more organized. Yeah, hopefully we'll sort out the, the right thing. <laughs> <laughs>